0: Chapter Fourteen of Survivors of the Chancellor by Jules Verne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joe DENOYA Somerset, New Jersey. Breakers to the starboard. October twenty, night. The scene, as night came on, was terrible indeed. Notwithstanding the desperateness of our situation, however, there was not one of us so paralyzed by fear but that we fully realize the horror of it all poor ruby indeed is lost and gone but his last words were productive of serious consequence the sailors caught his cry of pie-crate and being thus for the first time made aware of the true nature of their peril they resolved at every hazard to accomplish their escape besides themselves with terror they either did not or would not see that no boat could brave the tremendous waves that were raging around and accordingly they made a frantic rush towards the yawl. Curtis again made a vigorous endeavor to prevent them, but this time all in vain. Owen urged them on, and already the tackle was loosened, so that the boat was swung over to the ship's side. For a moment it hung suspended in mid-air, and then, with a final effort from the sailors, it was quickly lowered into the sea. But scarcely had it touched the water when it was caught by an enormous wave which, recoiling with resistless violence dashed it to atoms against the chancellor's side the men stood aghast they were dumbfounded longboat and yawl both gone there was nothing now remaining to us but a small whaleboat not a word was spoken not a sound was heard but the hoarse whistling of the wind and the mournful roaring of the flames from the center of the ship which was hollowed out like a furnace there issued a column of sooty vapor that ascended to the sky all the passengers and several of the crew took refuge in the aft-quarters of the poop. Mrs. Keir was lying senseless on one of the hencoops, with Miss Herbie sitting passively at her side. Monsieur Letourneur held his son tightly clasped to his bosom. I saw Falston calmly consult his watch and note down the time in his memorandum-book, but I was far from sharing his composure, for I was overcome by a nervous agitation that I could not suppress as far as we knew lieutenant walter the boatswain and such of the crew as were not with us were safe in the bow but it was impossible to tell how they were faring because the sheet of fire intervened like a curtain and cut off all communication between stem and stern i broke the dismal silence saying all over now curtis no sir not yet he replied now that the panel is open we will set to work and pour water with all our might down into the furnace And maybe we shall put it out even yet. But how can you work your pumps while the deck is burning? And how can you get at your men beyond that sheet of flame? He made no answer to my impetuous questions, and finding he had nothing more to say, I repeated that it was all over now. After a pause he says, As long as a plank of the ship remains to stand on, Mr. Caslon, I shall not give up my hope but the conflagration raged with redoubled fury. The sea around us was lighted with a crimson glow, and the clouds above shone with a lurid glare. Long jets of fire darted across the hatchways, and we were forced to take refuge on the taffrail at the extreme end of the poop. Mrs. Keir was laid in the whale boat that hung from the stern, Miss Herbie persisting to the last in retaining her post by her side. No pen could adequately portray the horrors of this fearful night, the chancellor under bare poles was driven like a gigantic fire-ship with frightful velocity across the raging ocean her very speed as it were making common cause with the hurricane to fan the fire that was consuming her soon there could be no alternative between throwing ourselves into the sea or perishing in the flames but where all this time was the pie-crate perhaps after all ruby had deceived us and there was no volcano such as we dreaded below our feet at half-past eleven, when the tempest seem at its very height, there is heard a peculiar roar distinguishable even above the crash of the elements. The sailors in an instant recognized its import. Breakers! To starboard! is the cry. Curtis leaps onto the netting, casts a rapid glance at the snow-white billows, and turning to the helmsman shouts with all his might, Starboard the Helm! But it is too late. There is a sudden shock. The ship is caught up by an enormous wave. She rises upon her beam ends. Several times she strikes the ground, the mizzen mast snaps short off level with the deck, falls into the sea, and the Chancellor is motionless. End of chapter fourteen.